Ruoff Mortgage wants to welcome you home with their fast and stress-free mortgage process. Ruoff knows that when you're ready to move, you want to keep things moving. From the moment you start, Ruoff makes sure the process moves quickly, often twice as fast as other lenders, so you can close quickly and settle in sooner. Visit Ruoff.com to learn how you can qualify for the fastest loan of your life. That's Ruoff, R-U-O-F-F dot com. This NASCAR season, every member of the Toyota Racing Team is doing their part to take the trophy home. Like 6th grader Melissa Kowalski, who changes true to true X on every true-false quiz she takes. All my teachers are Martin Truex Jr. fans now. Keep up the great work, Melissa. To accomplish greater things this year, everyone plays a part. Be part of the action at toyota.com slash racing. Toyota, let's go places. NASCAR is a registered trademark of National Association for Stock Car Auto Racing, Inc. The following is a production of the Motor Racing Network, the voice of NASCAR. The Motor Racing Network presents NASCAR Live. Try to hold him off downstairs. It's Cindric with the lead on turn two. Briscoe is shoving Keslowski. Blaney is shoving Cindric. Blaney is shoving harder. Halfway down the back straightaway. Austin Cindric now will lead by half a car length off the end of the back straightaway. Austin Cindric leads into turn three for the final time with a big shove from teammate Ryan Blaney. Here comes Brad Keselowski, top side, but it's the rookie that leads off four. A whole bunch of fours at the front of the field, and here they come. Cindric trying to squeeze Blaney into the fence, and at age 23, Austin Cindric has scored the Daytona 500 win. They crash further down after they cross the start-finish line, but Austin Cindric has won the Daytona 500. Man, I love this sport. I love racing. I love everything about it. I can't imagine myself doing anything with it other than drive race cars and be around this in my life. So I'm just blessed to have the people and the family around me that believe in me. And oh, what, a, what an amazing day. NASCAR Live is brought to you by Toyota. For the latest Toyota racing information, visit toyotaracing.com. From the MRN Studios in Concord, North Carolina, here is your host, Mike Bagley. Hello, everybody. Welcome to another edition of NASCAR Live here on the Motor Racing Network. Mike Bagley and the entire MRN crew. Friends, the all-season is over. We have arrived at the week of the Daytona 500, and we are looking forward to convening at the World Center of Racing. Coming up on our show today, Ross Chastain is going to sit down with our Chris Wilner as he gears up for year two with Trackhouse Racing. Of course, that on the heels of that dramatic playoff push he and Trackhouse had to end 2022. We're also going to guide you through the open drivers who have to race their way in to the Daytona 500. We'll hear from one of those drivers and defending Truck Series champion Zane Smith. We'll preview the 65th running of the Daytona 500, and we'll go back five years to revisit the 60th renewal of the Great American Race and a whole lot more. But first in for Kyle Ricky is Chris Wilner. Chris is here to give us a check of the latest headlines in the world of NASCAR. Chris? Well, Mike, ahead of the Great American Race, Daytona International Speedway announced the event is a complete sellout. All tickets, infield admissions, and RV spaces for the Daytona 500 have been sold. Race fans' final opportunity to see the full field compete in person will be during Thursday's Blue-Green Vacation Duels. In the release, the track also stated next year's 500-mile race will transpire on Sunday, February 18, 2024. Once again, the Sunday before President's Day. Just a reminder, you can hear all the action live from Daytona right here on the Motor Racing Network, starting Wednesday with Daytona 500 qualifying at 8 p.m. Eastern. 
Kyle Busch will make his return to the NASCAR Xfinity Series. College Racing solidified those Xfinity plans Friday, stating that Kyle Busch will drive the number 10 Chevrolet in five races in 2023, making his debut at his home track, Las Vegas Motor Speedway, on March 4th. Alongside teammates Chandler Smith and Daniel Hemrick, Bush will also compete for calling at Phoenix Raceway, Charlotte Motor Speedway, Watkins Glen, and at Darlington Raceway. Sponsorship will be announced at a later date. And one other NASCAR Cup Series driver has expanded their driving schedule for 2023. With backing from Schultzer Systems, Corey LaJoy will not only race full-time in the Cup Series, but will be competing in multiple NASCAR Craftsman Truck Series events for Spire Motorsports this year. LaJoy will race this week at Daytona International Raceway, and he'll be back in the 7 Chevrolet truck in May for Throwback Weekend. Mike? Thank you, Chris. Coming up, Ross Chastain stops by. And later, we'll tell you what's it going to take for the likes of Jimmy Johnson and Travis Pastrana and others to race their way into this year's Daytona 500. NASCAR season is here, and everyone on the Toyota racing team is doing their part to perform at the highest level. From driver Ty Gibbs to amateur musician Russell Viper, who's working on the perfect pre-race pump-up track for the team. Start those cameras up! Yeah! To accomplish greater things this year, everyone plays a part. Be part of the action at toyota.com slash racing. Toyota, let's go places. NASCAR is a registered trademark of National Association for Stock Car Auto Racing, Inc. This is NASCAR Live. Now, back to Mike Bagley. Welcome back to NASCAR Live. 2022 was a breakout year for Ross Chastain. He won two races early in the season. He advanced to the championship four with one of the most memorable moves in the history of this sport. How does he back all that up in 2023? Our Chris Wilner sat down with the Alva Florida native to find out. Let's kind of put a bow on last year. Does the momentum carry over with all that you've done? Have you been able to reflect on just how much that you and your team accomplished uh, and, and how have you kind of carried that into the season? Yeah, for sure. It does. I This sport is all about momentum, whether you're running the the top at Darlington versus someone running the bottom off turn four, the momentum's going to carry you and on track week to week, putting together performances um, you know, in the top 10 and top five in the Cup Series is just such a special thing. And for me and Trackhouse to get to experience that with both cars last year and just sustain that level of competition, uh, the cars are staying the same. There's a few bumper and clip changes that we're doing to, to help the crashes, but a lot of stuff is, is staying similar. Now there will be an evolution cycle and, and there will be new cars that come to the front and some that cycle back, but we're doing everything we can to, to stay up there. So yeah, I... We've, we've proven throughout all of 2022, and now the cool part is we get to do it again. Is there any pressure, though, to, to back that up or to one better in, in, in kind of championship or bust mentality, or you don't really look at it that way? No, not at all, man. Um, the pressure was a handful of years ago whenever I was just trying to get to the track, and I was just trying to get my season funded and recover from being fired or recover from the team being shut down or not getting the ride I wanted um, that's where the pressure was, was making sure I was at the track to not let my career die. Does entering this season feel any different or, or I guess, does it or doesn't it uh, than last year? Um, yeah, well, I mean, last year was the unknown. Um, right the year before, my first full-time year in Cup, I signed with CGR and Chip, who had been here for 20 years and I thought would be here for 20 more. And then it was his time to step out. 
and we had the unknown of track house but i knew that i had my group from the 42 was on the one car we made a few minor tweaks and we had our bulk of our group together so to uh the, the unknown and the excitement last year was high and then we went we missed the clash and we finished last in the daytona 500 so that was a quick humbling moment to stumble out of the gate like that and reset and then go to work for the bulk of the season uh, this is the first time that i haven't had to uh, work on my current year ride right like i wasn't negotiating about 2023 in 2022 we we signed up we knew we had two years and so uh that that's a relief where i've never had that i've never signed for any more than one year in any time in my time in the sport i'd be remiss to not talk about the hail melon obviously we're months removed from that and i know the impact it was in the time of punching your ticket to phoenix but now that we're a little ways from that did you realize do you realize now how much of a face of nascar you became because of that move and what's the reaction been since I still get asked about it, and I love it. I love that we've been able to make a wave in the sport and cause people to watch and cause Formula One drivers and people from around the world to see that clip. And now, hopefully, right, we're gonna we're gonna revive our the interest in it for this season and and kick off our 75th year and uh, continue to do what the sport is best known for, and that's hard racing and putting on a show. So. I don't know that I grasp it yet. No, I'll be honest. Um, I, I think it'll be a long time before we can really measure or get a snapshot of how far that really went. And and now, what do we do with it now? And how do we take that interest, right? It's I'd say it's simmered down over the off season as it should. I think people are itching for that race, that, that, that adrenaline rush of watching racing. I'm looking for the adrenaline rush of driving the car and... We get to kick it all off at the Clash here pretty soon. And now this being the diamond anniversary for NASCAR, 75 years, that moment will be forever a part of history, so that's got to make you feel good too as well. It does, man. It, look, it's it's a novelty thing that happened. It was not scripted. Um, I probably overstated what I did on video games. It, it wasn't like I practiced it and, and ever thought I would ever do it or... When I was doing those, playing those video games, I was never, I never raced, so I never even thought about, you know, it in real life, um, not on the screen. So, um, I don't, like I said a minute ago, I don't know that I'll ever grasp, but I think one day I'll have a little bit clearer picture of what that meant, and the story and the book is still waiting to be written on what we do with it now. Obviously, last year with all the success came some criticism, some moments, some bumps into the road throughout the season, aggressiveness, things like that nature. What have you reflected on? What do you translate? How do you kind of build off of that? And and what lessons did you learn from last year to carry over to this year? A lot. <laughs> I learned a lot. It was it was an arrival of racing in the top ten, top five winning races in the Cup Series. It's such a small and special group of men and women that have came before me that have accomplished that. And I spent years in the sport trying with everything I had to just get my name out there enough where I could be hired to drive someone's race car and maybe my name doesn't need to be talked about every week for some sort of action on the track maybe some weeks we can just fly under the radar win a race without any drama or just run a nice solid top five you know top handful couple spots and uh, and have a chance to win 
it's not always going to work out, but yeah, probably we don't need to be in the news almost every week. How rewarding is it, though, to be a part of Trackhouse, an organization that is breaking barriers? It's thinking outside the box. It's kind of that mentality of why not us? I mean, that seems to fit you perfectly, and it showed last year. So how special is it for you to be a part of that? Yeah, it is. Um, you know, when when Justin and I first sat down, um, we didn't have to sell each other on, on buying in on this. We both wanted it and wanted to do it together. So um, once we worked through the details and it was off to the races and it does it, it I've driven for established teams and I've driven for other new teams and um, to have the resources that's the difference here is we have the funding we have the support of Chevrolet we have a workforce that this new car I don't know if we can still call it new it's year two I'm we're re- relatively reusing new. cars I used last <laughs> year again so um, the car isn't changing though and the car was the catalyst for our group that CGR built the foundation and with this new car was able to take it to this next level. And finally, speaking of that new car, now this, you know, again, being always improved upon, things are changing a little bit, but where's the comfortability level with you in this next-gen cars? We go to Daytona now, another super speedway race where you kind of have the drafting part figured out, but where's the comfortability level for you? Uh, it's, I, I wouldn't want to go to battle on anything else than the current NASCAR Cup Series race car. Um, I have total confidence in in everything about it, and safety is always going to evolve, and there will be something in one year, 10 years, 100 years that history will look back on and say, well, in 2023, they should have done this. But right now, I feel like so many people are rowing the boat in the same direction, and um, I'm ready to go to battle in it. Thank you, Chris. Coming up, we'll guide you through the list of the open drivers trying to make their way into the Daytona 500. And later, one of those drivers, Zane Smith, will join us. Sir, are you aware you were going 40 miles an hour? This is a residential area. Sure, but I'm on my lawnmower. Wait, am I getting a ticket? No, I've just never seen anyone top nine miles an hour on one of those bad boys. And mow their entire lawn in 30 seconds? What got into you? Well, I did fuel up at Sunoco this morning. At Sunoco, we know how to fuel peak performance. We've been doing it for American Racing for over 50 years. Fuel your best. This is NASCAR Live. Now, back to Mike Bagley. Welcome back to NASCAR Live. Thursday night's Blue Green Vacations Do It Daytona is going to have a bit of a throwback feel to it. That's because of the number of big names that are going to be trying to race their way into the Daytona 500. Jimmy Johnson, Travis Pastrana, and Zane Smith are among the six drivers that will be racing for four spots. How can they race their way in? And what do the drivers expect in the duel? Jason Toy is here to guide you through it. The Great American Race has an entry list that features 42 competitors, with six open drivers vying for one of four spots. The Blue-Green Vacation Duels that decides the starting lineup of the 500-mile event will feature a wide variety of entrants with an array of racing backgrounds. Let's meet the contingent. Out of the group, one driver has a superior resume, and that's seven-time NASCAR Cup Series champion Jimmy Johnson. In the offseason, Johnson teamed up with Richard Petty and Maury Gallagher to form Legacy Motor Club and is going with a unique number race fans may not be familiar with. To back up to my childhood racing days, the number four, the number eight, 
um, have always been significant numbers for me. That's why when I was able to help pick the number at Hendrick Motorsports, I chose 48. Um, so looking at the list and what was available, 84 is on there. It, it just, there are two numbers I can't live without, so 84 it is. Johnson will attempt to make the field alongside his teammates Noah Gregson and Eric Jones. Oh, and by the way, he also won the event twice in 2006 and 2013. Chandler Smith, while driving a full-time Xfinity Series schedule in 2023, is giving his best effort to make the event for Colic Racing in their third entry. Smith will attempt to snag a spot from one of his childhood idols and Jimmy Johnson. It's going to be awesome, especially since that's the guy, honestly, I probably started racing because of. I mean, I, I grew up watching him and seeing him dominate, and I was like, this is awesome. I want to be like him. I want to do that. Now I'm going to sit here and fight for a position of the Daytona 500. Well, that's pretty surreal. Another driver with an impressive resume is Austin Hill. The Richard Childress Racing Xfinity Series driver has teamed up with Beard Motorsports as he looks to carry over his super speedway success into making the Daytona 500. The only thing I can say that I do on super speedways is I honestly, I just react. I don't put too much thought in it. I, if I see uh, that I'm getting a run on somebody, I just I just make the move and I react. And I learn throughout the first stage of every super speedway of what I can and can't do with, with the car that, that day because I, I truly believe that every super speedway race is a little bit different than the next and you have to drive them, you know, a little different. But to sit here and say that I have some, you know, ability that other guys don't have on super speedways, I, I can't sit here and say that. I just... I don't know. I just have a good understanding of where the runs are going and things like that. That just kind of clicks for me. Hill isn't scared to compete with the aggression if it means making the great American race. As long as I don't destroy a, a car and, you know, if I got to mess a little bit of a fender up or something, that's something that can be fixed, then I'm going to do whatever it takes to make it into the 500. It's something that as a little kid, you know, you always dream of racing in the cup level and then also racing in the Daytona 500 is our Super Bowl. So I'm going to do whatever it takes to make it in. I'm, I mean, I'll let it hang out all on the line. One driver who is making a crossover from IndyCar is Connor Daly, as he will represent Floyd Mayweather and Money Team Racing in the 50. Daly and the team know how difficult of a challenge they have ahead of them. Honestly, we know it's a monumental challenge in front of us. Like, it's going to be hard. It's There's a lot of really, really good teams that are trying to make this race. And we're a small team still. So, you know, we're, we have a challenge in front of us. But honestly, if, if we make it, there's a huge upside. If we don't, there's not a lot of downside because it's kind of, you know, we know it's going to be a challenge and we know we have other cup races later in the right. year. So I'm just excited to be given a chance at it and, and, and see what happens. After it was announced that defending NASCAR Truck Series champion Zane Smith would be back at Front Row Motorsports for the 2023 season. The team also decided to have the driver compete in a handful of cup races, sharing seat time in the number 38 with Todd Gilliland. His first attempt being the Daytona 500. I feel like everyone that's in racing has watched the Daytona 500 since as long as they can remember. And so I definitely fit in that category. And so it'll be huge if we make it to help out my, my front row teammates and, and start off this this partnership with Ambetter and, and WellCare the right way. The most shocking competitor to submit his name was X-Game medalist and veteran wheel man of all disciplines, Travis Pastrana. The driver with a diverse racing background will compete in a third car for 2311 Racing and has the backing for what could be a very competitive seat. Dude, stoked. Are you kidding me? This is the great American race. I mean, I think the NASCAR crowd was looking at like, oh, like what? How does how does he get a rider? How does he get like I was like almost like I was taking something from them where the two wheel crowd is like, man, this is going to be such a cool experience. I'll watch, you know, heck, 
win, lose the draw, it's going to be exciting. You know, for me, it's not really about what everyone's saying or thinking. It's a, it's an opportunity of a lifetime. Put myself with the best team I possibly can, with the best sponsors that I, I've acquired over the last couple of years. You know, through success and two and four wheels, mostly off-road stuff. And uh, we're going to go down and have a lot of fun. Now that we have met the six open drivers for the Blue Green Vacation Duels, you're probably wondering just how exactly this year's qualifying format will work for the 500-mile event. Well, the two fastest drivers in single-car qualifying will automatically make the field without needing to race their way through the duels. The highest finishing open team in each dual race will then earn a spot. And if the highest finishing open team earned a spot in qualifying, then the next fastest open car from the qualifying results will then snag an entry into the Daytona 500. The resumes and racing backgrounds of this year's open contingent is quite impressive and should lead to a fun and exciting edition of the 2023 Blue Green Vacation Duels. Thank you, Jason. MRM will have full coverage of Daytona 500 qualifying and the Blue Green Vacations Duel. Airtime for Daytona 500 qualifying is 8 p.m. Wednesday night. And then Thursday, things get going with the duel with NASCAR Live Race Day at 6 p.m. Eastern Time. Coming up, we'll hear more from defending Truck Series champion Zane Smith. And later, we'll flash you back to the 2018 Daytona 500. Well, listeners, in case you didn't get enough sports today, here's an ad break that'll tell you how to watch even more sports. YouTube is the new home of NFL Sunday Ticket. And if you sign up now, you'll get our lowest full season price of the year. Just go to youtube.com slash Spotify offer to get $100 off NFL Sunday Ticket. Watch your favorite team's out-of-market Sunday afternoon games exclusively on YouTube and YouTube TV. All right, enough about sports. Go get more sports. Terms and embargoes apply. Offer ends June 6. No refunds. This is NASCAR Live. Now, back to Mike Bagley. Welcome back to NASCAR Live. So glad you're with us as we get you ready for the Daytona 500. You know, 2022 is a big year for Zane Smith, but 2023 is shaping up to be even bigger. The Front Row Motorsports driver will be looking to defend his Truck Series title while also dipping his toe into the NASCAR Cup Series, starting with attempting to qualify for this weekend's Daytona 500. Our Kim Kuhn sat down with Zane to discuss his mindset heading into what could be the most important year of his career. All right, the Daytona 500 this Sunday. First, you got to make the big show. So what are the nerves like headed into this week, and how are you approaching everything? Yeah, I mean, definitely the nerves are are settling in, but just excited to get back going again. I'm super thankful for well care and better for just being a part of this year. And so um, my short time at, at Front Row Motorsports, I've gotten to, to know and um, become a part of a lot of awesome companies and, and Centene definitely fits uh, in that category. So uh, just super excited for it, ready to get the duels going. Um, not sure where we'll qualify or, or how this is gonna gonna be. Definitely not as last minute as my last uh up start and gateway but uh, i know friday night will be a lot of fun so hopefully we're racing again on sunday so let's say you do qualify for the daytona 500 what's the goal for that race and where does this rank if you do make it in in terms of bucket list items to be able to say i am in the great american race yeah huge uh i i feel like everyone that's in racing has watched the daytona 500 since as long as they can remember. And so I definitely fit in that category. And so it'll be huge if we make it um, 
to help out my my front row teammates and and start off this this partnership with Ambetter and and Wellcare the right way. Payne Smith has raced his way by hooker by Crook. Trouble coming off the trioval. Caution flag is out. This race is now official. The leader took the white flag. Zane Smith out front when the caution flag came out for a crash exiting the trioval. Those trucks spun all the way down towards the inside of turn number one as safety trucks pull onto the speedway. The caution is out and Zane Smith has won the next Era Energy 250 at Daytona International Speedway. And this weekend isn't the only time that we're gonna hopefully see you in a cup car. You'll be running at least six more races on the cup side of things. And it's a mix of tracks, Phoenix, Dega, Charlotte, Sonoma, Texas, I think the Roval's in there too. Was there any strategy behind the race choices or was it more sponsor related in terms of the races that you're choosing to run on the cup side? Yeah, to be honest, it was a little bit of everything. It was uh, some sponsor side, some team side. Um, and then obviously, uh, whatever say I kind of had there at the very end, I mean, any chance you get to race on Sunday, you're going to be excited about. So that's that's how I kind of approached it. But I'm excited for my races. I feel like it's a little bit of everything in there. Obviously, the super speedways, which front row has always shown success at the the road courses uh, that are in there, Sonoma and the Roval. Uh, I'm ready for obviously front row ran really good those so and I love road course racing in general and then uh, the mile and a half I got or a couple that are in there are uh, Texas and the Coke 600 which I feel like the Coke 600 is one of the ones I'm most excited about with Boot Barn and um, <clears throat> right at home here and so uh, that'll be a really fun weekend a lot of my family typically comes out for that one and then uh, Phoenix is, has always been uh, nice to me for the most part, especially last year. So uh, excited to race uh, on Sunday down there. Final time off turn two up the back straightaway. Zane Smith with the lead. Who's going to take a shot? Ben Rhodes is there. Here they come in three. Up off turn number four. Ben Rhodes gets to the tailgate of Zane Smith. They bounce off the safer barrier. Checkered flag in the air. And Zane Smith wins the Lucas Oil 150. And Zane Smith is the 2022 NASCAR Camping World Truck Series champion. All right, we've been talking a lot about the Cup side of things. You are the reigning Truck Series champion. Do you think that people will look at you differently this season with that title under your belt? Or will it just be kind of status quo when you walk into the garage for the first time? I don't know. Uh, I mean, I, I never looked at uh, any any past champions really much differently uh obviously <clears throat> i mean it, it's always typically the same guys that are that are up front and winning and so uh that's what happened last year we could we we need to uh continue to win and continue to battle uh up front week in and week out like we did last year and, and the championship will come uh that opportunity always arises once you're uh, always battling for wins so that's our goal um Obviously, got to got to get to the final four first, and how you get there is, is just winning. All right, final question. Despite the fact that you won the Truck Series title last year, you said you feel like there is still a lot of room to improve. I don't know necessarily if you meant as a team or specifically personally as a driver. So explain to us where there is room to improve when you are sitting here with last year's title. 
Yeah, I feel like this is something that is in all, I feel like, professional sports, but uh, especially in racing, and it's so hard to, to get a spot on Sunday because of this. It's because drivers typically age. As they age, they get better and better, and then uh, it, it's just really hard to get a seat at the table on, on Sunday. And so um, racing, just every year, you, you learn so much, and you just get better with time. And so that's just kind of what I meant there. Um, Obviously, we, we showed some weakness in some areas last year, and I feel like we've cleaned those up for, for this year, which I'm excited to see about. Um, obviously, there's some things on, on uh, my end that I need to clean up, and, and I feel like I've paid attention and put a lot of attention into that during the offseason. And then, um, I, I mean, yeah, we, we had a really good year with uh, the most wins, which was, which was four. Um, I think that yeah the regular season champion and then obviously the um the driver's championship there at the the end but the one that stands out to me the most there is just the amount of wins we had with yes it still being the the most i, I feel like we could have scored a lot more i feel like i gave away um a lot there so hopefully we're we're scoring more than four wins this year but um it's a, a long, long year ahead of us, so we need to um, just take it step by step and really approach it race by race, just how we did last year. But I feel like with us cleaning up in some of these areas, uh, those will come. Coming up, Tim Cattlefamo helps us revisit Austin Dillon's win in the 2018 Daytona 500. And later we hear what drivers are expecting in the 2023 edition of the Great American Race. This is NASCAR Live. Now, back to Mike Bagley. We continue on this week's NASCAR Live as we are a mere five days away from the 65th running of the Daytona 500. Let's go back five years to February 18th, 2018. The 60th Daytona 500 featured heartbreak for a Florida native, but jubilation for another team as the number three car returned to victory lane at Daytona. Tim Cattlefamo has more. Prior to the start of the 2018 season five years ago, hopes were high for all of NASCAR's teams entering Speed Weeks in Daytona Beach, Florida. Everyone entered the year thinking anything was possible. After Martin Truex Jr. and underdog team Furniture Row Racing won the championship in 2017. Beyond the high hopes for a successful season, there was also some real estate available in regard to star power. Following the 2017 season, two future Hall of Famers stepped away from full-time racing. Two-time Daytona 500 champion Dale Earnhardt Jr. and 2003 series champion Matt Kenseth. Kenseth was replaced at Joe Gibbs Racing by 2017 Rookie of the Year Eric Jones, while Hendrick Motorsports' Dale Earnhardt Jr. had a hand in picking his replacement, as Earnhardt and Rick Hendrick settled on Alex Bowman. The Arizona driver had been somewhat of a journeyman through that point of his career, but performed well filling in for Earnhardt in 2016. While some may have questioned the decision to put Bowman in such a high-profile ride, the number 88 team immediately silenced the doubters by winning the pole for the 60th edition of the Great American Race. Bowman was joined on the front row by 2016 Daytona 500 champion Denny Hamlin. Row 2, however, featured two drivers who many thought might be able to challenge Dale Earnhardt Jr. as the sport's next most popular driver, Chase Elliott and Ryan Blaney. 
When those two won their respective dual qualifying races, they joined Hamlin and Bowman as favorites to win the 500. Fans were on their feet as those four drivers led the field with a green flag to kick off the 2018 Great American Race. What we've been waiting for for the last three months, pace cars off pit road, and the green flag is waving for the Daytona 500. The racing was hot and heavy from the start, with many drivers taking turn at the point. Denny Hamlin, Eric Jones, defending 500 champion Kurt Busch, and Ricky Stenhouse Jr. all spent time out front. However, none of those drivers appeared to have a huge advantage over anyone else. The early aggressive driving came to a head on the final lap of Stage 1, when Eric Jones and Jimmy Johnson were among the drivers involved in a multi-car crash. Oh, Stenhouse and Blaney. Whoa, Stenhouse sideways. He'll hang on to the car. Four wide bumper cars. Eric Jones is around. So is Suarez. William Byron. Also, Jimmy Johnson is involved. Other cars begin to crash and collide. Ty Dillon, Trevor Bain, everybody getting jammed up this time through. As stage two began, a true favorite to win the race emerged in young Ryan Blaney. The Team Penske driver led his first lap of the event on lap 68 and wouldn't relinquish it for the next 50-plus miles of the event. Just past the halfway mark, another multi-car crash unfolded, this time involving Chase Elliott and other favorites entering turn three. Paul Menard, Kurt Busch, and Ricky Stenhouse Jr. Whoa, Elliott's in the wall. Hard contact with Elliott. Danica Patrick, four, five, six other cars crash and collide, and the crash continues to turn four. Another driver involved in the crash was Danica Patrick, who was racing in her final career event. Blaney would close out the second stage of the race as the winner and continue to show the way for much of the back half of the event, leading the race high 118 laps. Blaney did find himself with interesting competition in the closing laps, however, as Denny Hamlin worked his way back out front, along with Kurt Busch. With just two laps to go, it was Bush and Blaney trying to overtake Hamlin once again for the lead when disaster struck in turn one. Denny Hamlin shows the way into the banking at turn number one. Almiron to the inside, Kurt Busch spins. Ryan Blaney gets collected, and they're all piling in now. Bowman is caught up in it. Kurt Busch pounds the outside wall for a second time. Seven, eight, nine cars crashing. Martin Truex Jr., Jeffrey Earnhardt is in it. Matt Benedetto, Brendan Gaughan, and others. It's all coming. With Kurt Busch and Ryan Blaney collecting damage in the crash, Denny Hamlin seemed like the favorite to capture his second Harley J. Earl trophy. But he had multiple hungry drivers behind him who were looking to pull off the upset. Among them was Eric Almarola, who was making his first start at Storthaus Racing, an opportunity which was widely considered to be the best of the Florida native's career. Joining Almarola was Austin Dillon, who was behind the wheel of one of the most famous numbers in the history of the sport and Daytona International Speedway, the Black Number 3. If the three isn't the most famous number in the history of NASCAR, then it has to be the number 43. A youngster named Bubba Wallace was also in contention driving Richard Petty's race car. Everyone in attendance was on their feet as those four drivers stomped on the gas to begin a green-white checkered restart. To the surprise of many, Almirola and Dillon both passed Hamlin, as it looked like it could be a career-defining moment for Eric Almirola. That was until things got physical on the back straightaway on the final lap. Here he comes up the Daytona Super Stretch. Eric Almarola trying to block both lanes. Trying to keep Hamlin behind him. Trying to keep Austin Dillon behind him. Dillon turns him. Eric Almarola into the wall and turned him. 
number three. Austin Dillon to the bottom of the racetrack at the front of the field off of turn number four, but they're lined up side by side behind them. It's Austin Dillon. Austin Dillon leads the pack off turn number four. No one ever thought he would contend for the win, but he's going to do it. He's going to win the 60th running of the Daytona 500. The last lap pass will forever be controversial. However, one thing that cannot be taken away is the fact Austin Dillon is a Daytona 500 champion, and he did it 20 years after Dale Earnhardt scored his first Daytona 500 victory in 1998. The contrast between the joy of victory and the agony of defeat was never better illustrated than it was on that night between Austin Dillon and Eric Almarola. Eric Almarola had victory in his sights. Unfortunately, it wasn't in the cards for you. What happened and your thoughts on Austin Dillon's move? Uh, <laughs> it was the last lap and we're all trying to win the Daytona 500. It's uh, the biggest race of the year and it's a career-changing race and so just racing really aggressively. I, I, I put every move I knew uh, to put on to try and stay in the lead, and unfortunately, I just wasn't able to, to hold on. He, uh, he he got to my back bumper and was pushing and, and just hooked me. So uh, my heart's broken. Daytona has a way with just making memories. This place makes memory after memory, and they're life-changing memories. And um, I was fortunate to be in victory lane 20 years ago. And I'm here again, but I'm driving. This is awesome. Five years later, both drivers return to the scene of the crime, hoping to be in contention on the final lap to win this year's running of the 65th annual Daytona 500. Thank you, Tim. Coming up, we'll hear from Kevin Harvick, Kyle Larson, and more as drivers gear up for the Daytona 500. And later, we'll wrap the show up with a snippet of what many consider to be the most important race in the history of this sport. The 1979 Daytona 500. This is NASCAR Live. Now, back to Mike Bagley. Welcome back to NASCAR Live. The Daytona 500 is not only our sport's biggest race, but also one of the hardest to win. What does it take to win at Daytona? And what does a win in that race mean to a driver's legacy? Kyle Rickey is here to explain. Just a few days remain before race one of the 36-race NASCAR Cup Series season. As always, teams will begin with the biggest race of the year, the Daytona 500. This year features a handful of former 500 champions, but even more drivers who are racing for their first Harley J. Earl Trophy. One of those drivers is Kyle Larson. Given Larson's recent success, the 2021 series champion is always cognizant of moments and races that he can add to his legacy. The 500 is one of those legacy-defining races, and it would have a special meaning for Larson because of his history in that race. Yeah, I mean, it's it's the biggest stock car race there is by far. So fortunate enough to accomplish a lot of cool things, you know, in my stock car career, especially, you know, in 2021, we checked off a lot. Yeah, the, the Daytona 500 would be, would be a special one. Um, I got close to winning in 2017, ran out of fuel lead in the last lap, and, you know, you just never know if you're going to have an opportunity again, and I haven't since then. So um, I would love to. I would love to have that trophy and look at it because it's it's honestly been a race it's a style of racetrack that i'm not very good at so if i could win there accomplishing something that you don't really think you can accomplish would be pretty special while a win in the 500 could add to larson's legacy 
It is already a part of Kevin Harvick's. The 2007 winner of the Great American Race is searching for his second checkered flag in the event. That will be his 22nd and final attempt. Harvick says understanding the importance of the race is vital. When you're around this sport for a long time, you understand the importance of having that Harley J. Earl trophy and having your name on it. And, and when you look at the names that are on it, you understand uh, the significance of who's won the race. And, you know, if you've done your job and properly understand what NASCAR racing is all about, uh, Daytona has that huge significance of what we what we are all about and with the racing on the beach and uh, how it's migrated into, you know, the biggest single race in our sport. Uh, understanding the, the Daytona, the significance and especially the Daytona 500 is is important. Another driver who is searching for his second victory in the Great American Race is Michael McDowell. McDowell's victory in the 2021 Daytona 500 is one of the great underdog stories in its history. While McDowell admits that there is still pressure entering the event, he explains that when he returned to the World Center of Racing last year, there was an almost unexplainable confidence that he felt. There's a tremendous amount of pressure regardless of whether you've won or not won because you're only as good as your last race and you're only as good as your last Daytona 500 win, right? And so you're always pursuing that next. But for me personally, there is a confidence and a calmness that came as a reward of winning the 500. And it's not something that you can fabricate. It's not something that, or I could fabricate. It just kind of happened. The following year, you still feel the pressure. You still get the jitters. You know what's on the line. You know how big of a race it is. But there was a confidence and a calmness different than in years past. So what does it take to win at Daytona? Ricky Stenhouse Jr. won there in July of 2017, and two things are atop his list, avoiding pit road mistakes and staying up front. The Daytona 500 definitely is, you know, it just feels a little different, uh, but the the process is the same. Uh, you got to keep your track position. Um, you have to have track position kind of end of uh, that second stage, start of the third stage, you know, so that you can, you know, kind of control your race. Coming from the back has gotten tougher and tougher, I feel like. Um, over the years so you don't want to restart that last run uh, you know deep in the field but you know it can be done can't have mistakes on pit road uh, that's probably the number one I think key as a race team is you know no penalties and get to pit road smooth and off of pit road smooth and, and stay in the draft uh, when you're doing that because you know it can get stretched out you can go laps down if if something happens and and that's that's I would say the number one key. So, uh, and then just, you know, trying to keep your track position, the, the end of the stage. And, you know, I felt like we did a really good job of that last year. We, we put ourselves in the top five, um, and leading, uh, you know, within five to go. So, uh, we'll try and, you know, put ourselves in that same position again. Another driver who has won the summer race at Daytona is Eric Jones. The legacy motor club driver found himself up front at super speedway races multiple times in 2022 in recent years, Jones has took a different approach to speedway racing, and his confidence is high heading into this year's Daytona 500. You gotta make it through. I mean, we had fast cars at all the speedways last year, and we weren't able to capitalize and win on that, so you gotta have some things go your way, but, you know, last year in the 500, we were up front, had a slow stop, not kind of got blocked in, wasn't pit crew's fault, but 
got back in traffic and got wrecked in that wreck with whatever 12 to go, 16 to go, and took us right out of it. So things can change quick. For me, you know, I, I played both games, right? I used to be the guy who would kind of hang out and try to lay back and go at the end. And, you know, I'd say the last couple, three, four years now, I've went and just raced at the speedways and whatever happens kind of happens. And hopefully we have fast car again. You know, if you can be up front and you're there with five to go, you know, you got a good shot as anybody. One final driver who always seems to find his way to the front at Daytona and Talladega is Bubba Wallace. Like Jones, Wallace's approach to speedway racing has changed throughout the years and he's become better at those tracks as a result. Still, the unpredictability this style of racing offers is always in the back of his mind. When it was trucks and Xfinity, I would just be ho-hum, boom, wrecked. And I hated it. I hated speedway racing. But then got into the cup car, did the July race, filling in, and had a blast. And it was like, damn, this is actually pretty fun. And so I don't know if it was your mindset changes towards it and all of a sudden you start running good but you know hopped in for the day 2518 finished second finished really good at the other plate races too so just i don't know i think i will agree it has come a long way but now it just seems to just kind of click but in the back of my mind though that's a realistic size like any moment can take you out like you could be done lap one can wallace find a way to close the deal after finishing runner-up twice in the 500 can Harvick capture another Harley J. Earl trophy in a mic drop moment? Or could Stenhouse or Jones secure a playoff berth with a season opening victory? It is impossible to predict, but one thing is for sure, any of those outcomes are possible because if the last 64 years have proven anything, it is that anything is possible in the Daytona 500. That Daytona 500 preview was brought to you by Whelan Engineering. Whelan Engineering, a global leader in the emergency warning industry, has been manufacturing in America for over 70 years. We never left, and we're here to stay. Coming up, we'll put a bow on this week's show by revisiting the finish of the 1979 Daytona 500. This is NASCAR Live. Now, back to Mike Bagley. Welcome back to NASCAR Live. Before we pack up and head to Daytona for the weekend, we thought that we'd honor the sport's 75th anniversary by revisiting the end of what many call the race that changed the future of the sport forever, the 1979 Daytona 500. Richard Petty takes the outside. He's got Darrell Waltrip close behind. Two car lanes back to A.J. Foyt. Richard Petty takes it into the trioval. He's got the advantage right now. Here they come to the stripe. Richard Petty's STP Oldsmobile. Waltrip dives to the inside. Petty almost put him off in the grass, and Richard Petty will win the Daytona 500. The Petty crew jumping up and down on pit road, congratulating each other. This Daytona 500 has had it all. That flashback is brought to you by Mahindra. Race fans, don't forget to cheer for Chase Briscoe in the Mahindra Tractor's number 14 car and race into your local dealer for big savings on Mahindra, the official tractor of Tough. You can hear that race in its entirety right now on MRN.com or by subscribing to MRN Classic Races wherever you listen to podcasts. Folks, that's all the time we have for you for this week. I'd like to thank Ross Chastain for being on the show this week. Also, Zane Smith for joining us. Don't forget, our coverage of Daytona 500 qualifying hits the air tomorrow night, 8 p.m. Eastern on Thursday. The qualifying races for the Daytona 500. The Blue-Green Vacations Duel at Daytona. NASCAR Live Race Day airtime, 6 p.m. Eastern time. Then Friday, it'll be the season opening next year, Energy 250 for the NASCAR Craftsman Truck Series. Join us Friday night, 7 Eastern. Then on Saturday, a doubleheader, the Brandt 200 for the Arca Menard Series at 1.30 Eastern. 
The NASCAR Xfinity Series season opening beef. It's What's for Dinner 300 at 4.30 p.m. Eastern. And then we're back on the air live from Daytona. It'll be NASCAR Live Race Day. Counting you down to the 65th running of the Daytona 500 again, 1.30 p.m. Eastern on Sunday. I'm Mike Bagley. For the rest of the MRN crew, we thank you so much for joining us. We'll chat with you from the World Center of Racing this week. Be sure to tune in. Until then, so long, everybody. NASCAR Live is a production of the Motor Racing Network with studios in Concord, North Carolina, and was brought to you by Toyota. For the latest Toyota racing information, visit toyotaracing.com. Today's broadcast was produced by Trey Downing, Pat Jaggers, and Julian Council. The executive producer for MRN is Ryan Horn. Remember to visit MRN.com for all of the latest news and information. NASCAR Live is produced under an exclusive license with NASCAR. Any use of the accounts and descriptions contained in this broadcast must be with the express written permission of NASCAR and the Motor Racing Network. Buying a house can feel like you're going 200 miles per hour in bumper-to-bumper traffic with a dirty windshield and the sun in your eyes. Ruoff Mortgage has the technology, expert staff, and resources to simplify the process while speeding up the time it takes to get clear to close. So while getting a loan can seem intimidating, Ruoff Mortgage will have you opening the door to your new home fast and stress-free. Visit Ruoff.com to learn more. That's Ruoff.com.